Welcome back to The Backmarkers, the F1 podcast for new fans by new fans. I'm Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by my teammate, who always observes team orders, Austin <laughs> Evans. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not letting you by, man. This is unacceptable. I nev- hey, I, I, did I never my stent- said that I was going in the lead, did I? You know? There was nothing. You can observe team orders and be front. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Mike, stay behind me because I've mm-hmm. got a nebulous lead in the championship and it definitely needs to be enforced immediately as of right now. Mm-hmm. So, uh, hello, Always hello, super friends. funny, the little. Thanks, mate. <laughs> Does you, is that actually played to the teammate, do you think? Mm, I don't think so. I feel like team orders are always a bad thing, but I think we're getting ahead of yep. ourselves. Welcome yep, to the back. We're getting markers. ahead of ourselves. <laughs> So we've had uh, an interesting race. In fact, uh, just traditionally speaking, the Spanish Grand Prix, not a super exciting race. Usually very little overtaking, not the most exciting thing to watch. However, today we actually had quite the race. So just Mm -hmm. to start out by hitting some of the highlights. So running down the list of the uh, the recap, we've got Max coming in at P1, Checo P2, meaning that Red Bull did get their 1-2, although that is not without a little bit of uh, luck involved. We've got our buddy George Russell in P3, Carlos at 4, Lewis Hamilton in P5, which is a much mm-hmm. more impressive result than it might seem. And then rounding out the top 10, we've got Valtteri Bottas at P6, Esteban Alcon P7, Norris at P8, Fernando Alonso all up to P9 from dead last at the beginning of the race, and Yuki Tsunoda rounding out the points-paying positions. Mike, that was that was a good race. It was a good race. I mean, you know, you know me, Mike Hurley. No, no bad race, right? Like that's my whole thing. No bad race. I always believe the races are good. We will put this to the test next week when we're in Monaco. Uh, but I, this was a race full of drama, man, in a way that I wasn't expecting. I think uh, it seemed like it seemed like it was all said and done for yeah. old Charles Leclerc, right? Like he oh. built up like a thirty-second lead in in the first ten or so laps, you know, just through some smart strategy and some good pace. Uh, I think when he went in for his pit, he still came out 10 seconds ahead. Uh, and then what was it? What lap was it that he went out on? 27, lap 27. Yeah. And he was done. Uh, but uh, before we do get into a little bit more of this, I think there's a little bit of context for this race, which uh, could be interesting. I think we went into this weekend. The story was car upgrades, car upgrades, car upgrades, car upgrades. Um, across the board, there are upgrades. Uh, the, I think the largest and the one that was most spoken about was Aston Martin, which has now been named the Green Red Bull. Um <laughs> This is a big backwards and forwards, right? Like, this is one of those things that will play out for the next few weeks, I think. Uh, But ultimately, I don't think anybody is going to be protesting this as of right now because it's not like we saw a fantastic race for Aston Martin today with an 11th and 15th finish, so... Yeah, yeah. So traditionally, when there is a major rules overhaul, right? Everyone's in the blind. Everyone's in the dark. No one knows what's going on. So everyone makes their cars in their own little bubbles. And then as soon as the racing begins, everyone starts looking around and go, oh, wait a minute. My car is bad. Your car is good. I'm going to start, Mm -hmm. um, what's the word? Uh, Creatively borrowing some ideas. This has always been the way it is in Formula One. You know, great artists steal and and everyone else sucks or whatever. But uh, Red Bull and I think... It specifically Aston Martin have really kind of made the first sort of major change, right? So, yep. like you said, almost everyone, I think Haas might be the only team who didn't bring upgrades to this race. But pretty much all the teams used the first few races sort of as the test to kind of learn what was going on, what was working, what wasn't, and to sort out what that first round of upgrades should look like. And Aston mm-hmm. decided to essentially throw away their admittedly pretty poor concept for their vehicle in favor of something very Red Bull-inspired. And um, mm-hmm. I got to say, the Red Bull guys I mean, did. Aston said that they had been developing this for a while. There was some shots from a wind tunnel. And I think the FIA have kind of settled this from their perspective for the time being. So Yeah, but the FIA also were like, hey, Red Bull, uh, the Aston Martin looks a lot like your car. Can you like, give us some info to make sure that they didn't copy it? Like, mm. It's one of those things where... Obviously, that Aston was not working, and they needed to go with a different concept. And it is very, very Red Bully. Um, that being said, as you can see, you can't just straight copy the car because Aston was nowhere in qualifying. No. And admittedly, I think that it's not quite the most apples to apples comparison because I do think that they've just finished these upgrades; they haven't tested them. But a ton of hype, a ton of 
excitement around this whole upgrade and ultimately it hasn't been super successful, which I think is going to calm things down. But I guarantee you if Aston starts doing really well over the next few races as they start yep. to work on the concept and really kind of understand the setup, you know that Red Bull and some other teams are going to be like, hmm. Yeah, but this was what, the 2020 or 2021 season? No, yep. I think it was 20, 2020, right? The pink Mercedes. Pink Mercedes. Which was when, yep. they were, when they were racing point. Yeah. And they had to, if my memory serves, they had to make some changes to the car because it was like, you have taken too much here. Yeah, yeah. So I think the way that that went in 2020 was that they essentially just copied the whole car. And mm -hmm. most of it, they kind of were able to skate by on. I think it was the front brake ducts that were just a straight carbon copy. Um, and that's, I think, what they kind of slapped them on the wrist for. But yeah, it's just a bad look for a team, you know, when you're constantly mm -hmm. copying someone else. And obviously, you know, Racing Point slash Aston Martin have a ton of super talented engineers. And, you know, they know yep. what they're doing. And so it's a little bit embarrassing, I think, to be constantly copying other people, and especially when you copy other people and it doesn't work super well. So yeah. that was kind of the, yeah. the backdrop for the intrigue going into the race. But again, a lot of other teams brought pretty significant upgrades, including Ferrari. And Ferrari looked fast pretty much all weekend. I think the one of the biggest stories, and one especially that uh, was big for me, was Mercedes. So... Yeah. You know, we covered this last last race, and Mercedes had a pretty good um, practice sessions. Their free practice sessions were good, and they were good again this weekend. And I was remaining cautiously optimistic, but then they had a good uh, qualifying performance. Clearly, their strongest qualifying performance so far. Um, you know, not only did they score well enough, they looked convincing doing it. Right. Yeah. Like it, it was it was a convincing qualifying from them, uh, and so leading up into the race this weekend, that was what the eyes were on. But we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, yeah, I think, and then obviously as well, something else that ended up being a uh, specter for the race was Max's DRS issues. Oh man, yeah, that was uh, spicy. So the mm -hmm. first hint that at least I was aware of with it was. During the end of qualifying, Max's final lap, the DRS just didn't open. Now, if you're a yep. new fan of Formula One, you probably heard the phrase DRS a whole lot today and over the last couple of days. And just to kind of give a little context, DRS is the drag reduction system. It's the flap in the rear wing. Essentially, you can open one, two, sometimes three times per lap based on the track. Typically, unless you're in qualifying, typically it's only if you're within one second of the car in front of you. However, in qualifying, they can open it up at a couple of different points no matter what. And generally speaking, to get the fastest last time you always always want to open that drs it's a fairly straightforward fundamental thing it's literally just a little flap in the rear wing that just opens up to allow you to get a little less drag a little bit more straight line speed and um obviously these are not simple things you know there's hydraulics involved you've got to make sure they can pull up a, a you know a hugely aero important surface at yep. 150 200 miles an hour you know it, it's not easy but Pretty much all teams have this down pretty well, and Max's did not work pretty consistently throughout the weekend, not only in qualifying, which kind of impacted and maybe, maybe not kept him from getting pole, but in the race, it was a recurring thing. And that's, I mean, look, Max was pretty much tilted at the beginning of the race. I mean, he was Ooh, was so he mad. mad. <laughs> he was so mad. You can't even get this right. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> But I mean, look, this has been a consistent thing that we've been talking about over the history of our show this season. Red Bull's only problem has been their reliability. Yeah. And this is another thing for them where it's like, as Max is saying, this is a very fundamental, should be simple part of the car design. It's opening the yeah. wing, right? Like we know this needs to happen, right? Like it, this is not a new thing. Like sure, it's a new wing, but like... With all of, you've got to think if you're if you're Max Verstappen in that moment, he knows the problems that he has had with far more complicated components than this during the season, right? You've got to be a bit worried yeah. again, like it's bringing back into your mind some of the performances of the season. So yeah, that he was driving upset for a few races, but hey, it ended up paying dividends for him in the end. It absolutely did. Um, some of the other things just to kind of touch on before we really dive into the race, there were a couple of interesting things this sort of race. Uh, it was incredibly hot, mm. right? And uh, it was actually a bit of a tr 
trend last time out in Miami, but it was super, super hot. So again, put yourself in all the driver's positions, but especially Max. Imagine you're there, you're driving as hard as you can. George, and we'll talk, I'm sure, a lot more about this, was putting up a tremendous defense. You're sweating, you're so hot, and your car's not working, and half the time, not only you're trying to focus on driving, but also you've constantly got your engineer in, uh, in your ear saying, hey, press the button here. Oh, wait, no, do it over here. No, don't, yeah. the, oh, you accidentally no, you pressed it. it too many times. Don't get too excited. Like, <laughs> oh, man, he must, there are going to be some conversations this evening, right? Like, yes. sure, he's in a great mood because he won it, but like in the debrief, everything was wrong about that. It felt like to me, right? Like not only was it breaking the the information they were giving him when they were giving it to him, the way they were giving it to him, kind of at some point, like they start blaming him. Like you're pressing it too many times. You, <laughs> you know, it's like it, Max, open it back yeah. up again, man. <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was rough. And again, like the fact that he was able to keep focused yeah. during that race hats off to him man like i don't know how he pulled that out because as we say right like if you're being if you're frustrated like that uh and upset like that you've got to be more error prone right like that just feels natural you know and and the fact that he was able especially after earlier in the race very what was it uh lap nine he span so Mm -hmm. like again right like knowing there's an issue on the track that could occur at any moment nothing you can do about it plus your car's not working the way that you want to right like Keeping that mental uh, focus, that mm. takes a lot of training. No, I, I totally agree. And I mean, it was, I think Crofty in the commentary was like, you know, being angry never makes you faster, you know, keeps you sideways <laughs> or goes backward. I'm like, I completely believe that. Every time I've been, I'm racing either in a game or driving on a real track, I'm just yep. like, oh no, why am I slow yep. right now? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but it was a good race, man. Like, I think that's one Great of the race. things that, and this is, I, I, we can look at it. I've said it every single race this season. I think I'm going to say it for every single one, maybe besides next week. Uh, mm. These cars are so much better than before. You can look at them from the, you know, the weight perspective and drivers complaining and this and that, but these cars can follow and pass so much better than the previous generation. Now, mind you, not perfectly. Again, we saw Max sitting behind uh, George Russell for quite a while. In fact, both the Red Bulls, I think, were behind George at certain points. And obviously, it's not perfect, and they can't just all fly by each other all the time. Like Defending is very possible. That being said, how great is it after so many Spanish Grand Prix where it's like, oh, you start on pole? Well, you're probably going to win to have so so much excitement now mind you yep. in the case of charlotte claire that was excitement of a different much sadder variety mm-hmm. but putting that aside the racing really was terrific and especially the first half of this race was i would say just as exciting different pit stop strategies tires going off at different points real mm. on track action drs and non-drs passing there was not a lot to complain about at least for the first half it kind of tailed off a little bit toward the end but it was really really fun to watch yeah, I think they were saying before the start of the race that 75% of the races in Spain uh, have been won by the pole sitter. Yeah. So, you could, I mean, who knows what would have happened if Leclerc had not... I will say, like, terrible for him. The, the noise the car made really made me laugh. <laughs> it, like, Whee! screamed. Yeah, <laughs> I, I really, it really got me. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was really funny, oh. uh, but this was an a race that was absolutely action packed with no safety cars. Like that balance yeah. is so interesting, right? That like we had two DNFs, two cars spinning out within the first ten laps, yep. but no safety cars. Carlos signs this weekend. Oh. Unlucky, lucky, right? He yeah. very unlucky, but he was very lucky with the fact that Mercedes started to struggle towards the end because yep. he legit lost that place mm-hmm. to Lewis, was not going to get it back. But it seems like the Mercedes were, I think it was, they said there was like a, a coolant leak mm-hmm. on the power unit yep. that it seemed like Lewis was mostly suffering with, but I think they were, they were asking George to slow down a bit too because they were worried. They were worried it was going to be in DNS plus Stewart had such a, a, a lead. I want to talk about Lewis Hamilton, though. Yeah, yeah. Terrible start for him. Oh. Uh, like, so- it, was, it was really nicely pointed out, but I think it was, it was uh, by Crofty pointed out um, that George 
whacked into Perez, no problem. Magnuson just bumped into Lewis, puncture and damage. Yeah. And he went right to the very back and was ready to give up. Uh, Lewis Hamilton fan, right? Like everyone knows it. Felt bad for him. Like yeah. that kind of message, I hear it and I'm like, you know, like leading up to this weekend, he was in a great mood, right? He was going in this. He's like, hey, maybe we could win this because the, the car was much more performant. They were saying that it was a race car, not a qualifying car, which I actually think was very borne out today. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, he's going in and he's like, finally, finally, I'm ready to go. Uh, and then he gets shunted right to the very back, basically. Yeah. He was like it's... 40 seconds behind in last place mm -hmm. to be able to then get that car to where he got it. And I think he was also one of three stops, so it wasn't like he did it out of pit uh, benefit. To be able to get it to legit fourth place, dropping back down to fifth, man, that's a win for him. Like, absolute oh. win for him this weekend. I don't know who got driver of the day. But it should have been Lewis Hamilton. I, I, I didn't see what the official vote was. Completely agree. Although I think Charles probably does deserve some sympathy votes because uh, he you really know, did. No, no, I'm not up for, for that. I, honestly, <laughs> like that's not driver of the day for me. Like it just sure, isn't. Sure. Like he didn't race enough of the race. Sure, sure. And he right? absolutely like, dominated what he did. Yeah. I, I and he yeah he was very dominant. I feel like if he would have gone out way later in the race sure get driver of the day but like i feel like compared to what lewis pulled off in this race i mean he was hitting fastest laps in that mercedes now yeah. th that was a key indicator for me that mercedes have got their stuff under control now way better because in the past races that car was not going to hit a fastest lap no matter what you threw at it at any point during the the race so yeah i i think lewis i think lewis killed it this weekend yeah yeah really. no i agree and I, I hearing that message like oh maybe let's just save the engine and like oh we could get p8 and then to see yeah like i think most people just assumed like oh if you're gonna try to pull anything really good out you're gonna need some luck you need some safety cars he got none of that he just drove and almost caught up to george at the end mind you george spent i feel like half the race being about 17 cars wide mm. which is really entertaining um, but no, oh, it was man. a terrific drive from from Lewis, and honestly, from both of the Mercedes team. I think Toto's oh, got to yeah. look back and be like, "Look, this was a terrific job from the drivers across the board, yeah. full stop. No one really put a foot wrong all race." I think if if Mercedes can, if Mercedes end up in a better position at the end of the season, which I still, you know, like that they end up maybe pulling up and better into the constructors maybe into second maybe getting one of their drivers into top three like if they can do that i think they will look back at this race as the turning point like if they continue from here just because it was such a different set of circumstances for them where it feels like for the previous races their results have been won either on a ton of luck like a lot of luck like yeah. hey we just lost both red bulls <laughs> to there being, you know, like safety cars and then also ending up driving on their own, right? That like they're 30 seconds behind and they're 30 seconds in front or whatever, right? But this weekend, they looked like better, best of the rest, like big time. And what Lewis was able to do, that is very reminiscent of previous years lewis hamilton right mm -hmm. where to be able to to have in the car to pull ahead like I, it was a couple of races ago where he was having a, an issue where he got behind and he just couldn't make it up i yeah. think it was when he he qualified really poorly mm -hmm. um i think it was maybe it was australia he, he qualified really poorly and just couldn't he was at the end of the drs train and there was nothing he could do and he was just stuck yeah and i think this weekend there's a difference but george russell you know i keep talking about it and I know people must get sick of me, but I look at him and see, you know, I look at, I've looked at him and see a future world champion. We saw it on track today. Yeah. What he was doing today was, it was astounding. That there was that, there was that particular move on lap 25 when I think it was Max got him and then mm -hmm. he got him back and it's like yeah. oh boy yeah it was amazing and i know people are not going to like that move he was doing going into turn one yeah. people aren't going to like it right like the stewards looked at it they were fine with it, but people aren't going to like it but that looked smart to me like in the way that a few weeks ago we were talking about child looking smart right mm -hmm. like it, when he was he was working out that um the the drs kind of like pot slowing down and taking right. getting back again yeah, I, I thought that 
he did an incredible job today was leading the race for a bit like and and doing it well you know like again bit more speed in that car and he would have won today you know mike if i couldn't tell better i, I feel like you're really excited about mercedes this race or something i don't get it i mean i'm always excited about them <laughs> look I, they get they get a five and six and i'm happy for them you know me but today i felt fantastic to be a mercedes fan like i i feel like Yes, this is it, right? Like they are showing to me what they can do as a team again. And maybe next season, you know, like if, if they can continue this, maybe next season, I think it's they're going to crush it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, we'll see. I, I think it's super clear that they made a big step. I mean, they made a step last time out. You know, I mean, there was a mm-hmm. in Miami, they were like fastest. I think Russell was fastest in one of the, the free practice sessions. In the practice, yeah. Yeah, and I think they were very confused. They didn't understand the car. Like, oh, it's really good. Oh, wait, it's bad today. They didn't really get it. But yeah. it seems like this week weekend, they've kind of cracked the car in a lot of ways that they were hoping for, right? Like, they knew yeah, there was pace I, in the Yeah, they said vehicle. it was the floor. The floor was what they changed. And it seems like they have solved the porpoising with that. So yeah. now they, you know, they were saying commentary, which I just I thought was really interesting. They are now at the point where they can start to make the small tweaks because they 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 it's taken them this long to get the car to stable. Yeah, and maybe now, I mean, who knows? Maybe now the car is stable mm-hmm. and they can start building from from here. You know, I, I totally agree. I feel like they've got a good handle on it. And it is no longer the Red Bull Ferrari train out front. I think while Mercedes might not be quite on that pace, uh, they're not far off. And especially you see the way Lewis was coming at the end of that race. Uh, I think if he had not had the issue that he did at the beginning of the race, he could have absolutely been up there, you know, well in podium contention. So, yeah. no, great, great news if you're a Mercedes fan. Honestly, great news if you're a Red Bull fan as well, right? I mean, I think that yeah. obviously it's tough to argue with the P1 and P2 and fastest lap. I mean, it's pretty much maximum points. Uh, they pulled ahead in the constructors. They had a terrific race, and especially considering that Red Bull has had a lot of issues, right? Like, not only are they ahead right now in the constructors, and I believe Max has also got the drivers. Yeah, he's slightly he ahead. Yeah, um, six points ahead now. But keep in mind that that's Max with two DNFs, and Charles has just had his first, right? So again, Max continuing the streak of either not finishing the race or coming P1. And it's getting mm-hmm. impressive now, right? I, I, Max, I think, is moving from like, oh, I think he's the favorite to like, oh, he feels like the very yeah. clear favorite yeah. for this championship right now. Yeah, I stand by what I said last time. Max Verstappen's winning this world championship. I, I just think it's undeniable now. Like, I've had my issues with Max Verstappen, but I can appreciate his skill. And yeah. as I said before, and I stand by it, like, I was very happy for him to win last season. I was just really, you know, I was sad about the way it ended up. Yeah. But whoever was going to win last season should have won it out of Lewis and Max. And I have, you know, in the time that it's taken me to now get over it, I feel I continue to feel bad for Max because I think he deserves an uncontested world championship. Yeah. He, he is so good. He deserves to have no asterisk next to his world championship win. So I would genuinely like him to win the world championship this year to just put a mark on it and be like, no, I can do this. And I would like him to do it decisively you know like i want because he has it he has the ability now red bull need to be able to keep his car together Mm -hmm. consistently for the rest of the season and he will do it but they've just got to get it done however i can say the same for leclerc now right like leclerc would have won the race today i feel like is is probably where that was going to end up yep but his car couldn't be kept together so we, I don't feel, I still feel like, you know, like we've seen enough of Max in this position for me to be able to say, yes, he is definitely, in, in, you know, he can win this. We still haven't seen enough of Leclerc in this position. We've seen it six times, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. If he can continue, then yeah, sure, he can win it too. But I look at where we are right now and it seems like Verstappen can do it. I think Ferrari's problem now is Mercedes in, in general. I don't know if I'd quite go that far. I still think Mercedes is a little bit farther behind. I think Ferrari. I mean, like in the in the kind of like in the rear view, right? Like I feel like in the rear view, Mercedes could be the potential problem for Ferrari. I think Red Bull had the better car. I think of everyone right now, Red Bull has the best car, and then next would be Ferrari, and then there is a gap to Mercedes. (sighs) 
but we'll see. I mean, I'm just looking at what's happened today, yeah, right? I'm just looking but, at what's happened today. I mean, yeah, considering reliability, but I mean, I think Charles would have easily, easily won that race. Right? Charles would have won it. But, yeah. Okay, yeah. if we say we remove all reliability from today, right? Charles yeah. would have won. Yeah. Both Mercedes would have pulled ahead of of Carlos. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, Carlos is a different story, right? Because I think Mercedes are kind of fighting on two fronts. O- on one side, yep. they've got some very minor reliability issues, generally speaking. I mean, obviously, we're only a handful of races in, but this has only been, I believe, their first major like engine-related DNF. I think everything else has been like crash-related, although... No, no, they had them early. I think they had uh, Carlos had one early. Oh, Carlos did. You're right, you're right. Yeah, he had one. Yeah. Okay, so fair enough, fair enough. But still... It was less- a race when everyone's engines were catching on fire. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You're right, yeah. you're right, you're right. But... But still, Red Bull has had, I think, a little bit the worst end of that. So obviously, oh, yeah. they need to make sure, and especially because there are two Ferrari power unit-related failures this race. So that's mm-hmm. one side of things. And then Carlos is the other. And man, look, I love Carlos. I think he is an incredibly talented guy. He feels like it, it just his confidence is clearly not there, right? He has just had mm-hmm. such a terrible string of luck and of just mistakes, and things have just yep. not been coming his way whatsoever. And I think he's got real pace. He's got real skill. But Charles is on a completely different, I would say, Max uh, style level. And, I mean, obviously, it's brutal for him to to lose the race the way he did. I mean, he had it absolutely, completely under control. I mean, let's not forget, a few laps in the race, Max spun out by himself. Maybe a Mm -hmm. little wind, but still, uh, guess who didn't spin out was Charles. He did everything completely right, and his car just goes, Whee! Yeah. And it was over, right? So I mean, but but this is kind of what I'm saying about the, what I see as the problem for Ferrari. Mercedes, I think, have a better pair than Ferrari ooh. does. So you're saying more this so than the constructors? This, yeah, I, I I did not speak that clearly enough. Uh, Ferrari do not have this issue in losing out in the World Championship driver. Got it. Perspective. Got it. Yeah, like okay. George and I don't see George or Lewis pulling ahead over Charles. Like mm-hmm. I don't see it happening yeah where i see ferrari's biggest issue is the constructors they're 49 points ahead of mercedes right now yeah and there's a big swing this week and i mean it doesn't take too many races like this for that to to escalate really quickly because this is what i've been saying right like every weekend mercedes have pulled in points Mm -hmm. i think from both drivers maybe i don't know but like again George Russell is the only driver to finish every race in the top five this season. Yeah, yeah. Like he is, con- he is very consistent. Like we still have not been able to see, bar this week, I think, what he can do right up at the front. You mm-hmm. know, like we still want to see more of that. I think he's got the goods, but what we are seeing is he can bring a car home. You know. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree, I agree. I just think it's one of those things where it's too early to count Ferrari out. I think that Max is the clear favorite for drivers, and I think that Red Bull are also a pretty solid favorite for uh, for the constructors. But there's still a lot more that we can see, right? There's and so much of, and there's so much of the season to go. We're only seven, what, six, six seven, six, six races race. into the 22. They confirmed it's 22. That was something else that happened this week. They're not going to replace the uh, Russian Grand Prix. Yeah, 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 which I think is probably a solid move. They're also talking a little bit about trying to redo the calendar in some ways next mm. year to have less sort of back-to-back races back and, and kind of having to go back and forth between North America mm-hmm. and Asia and Europe and whatnot quite so much, which I think are all sort of really positive signs. But I think we've got a really good season on our hands. I don't have to think that. I know we've got a really good season on our hands, yeah. right? And to see, you know, while Red Bull got certainly lucky today, um, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that Red uh, Ferrari would have just run away with it if, you know, Carlos didn't have his issue and Charles didn't have his issue. But that being said, I think that the teams looked pretty well matched for the most part going into mm-hmm. the race. It was a little hard to to call whether or not Ferrari had their tire issues under cons, uh, control. But that being said, I think Charles actually was doing a pretty solid job out front. I mean, his stint looked totally fine. But outside of just the the top three, I think there were also yeah. some other really interesting stories. So obviously, outside of I guess they're only the top six because it was really oh no sorry top five because Charles uh, went out. So we had Bottas coming in with a very impressive best of the rest coming at P six. Um, especially in a, a time where uh, his... Oh, uh, I don't think you got that right. He, uh, Bottas was in at eight. 
He was P8. Oh, you're Norris, right. Norris is P7. Oh, thank you very much. I wrote that and down. It was interesting. Home. Lando was said to be unwell this weekend. So the fact that he was able to pull that out, like they were referencing it a lot, that like Lando was just like not in good shape. Yeah. And he was very quiet in the race. It seemed like I didn't really feel like I heard much from him, but yeah. he got his head down and he got the work done. Uh, I am checking. Actually, uh, Lando was P8. It was Valtteri P6, uh, Esteban P7, and Lando P8. Because I think because Valtteri was P4 and got passed by Carlos and Lewis at the end. No, um, because uh, that doesn't... Wait, we're getting confused now. Valtteri. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. That was yeah. weird. I apologize. I've got my race results wrong. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. No, I was like, wait a minute. Wait, I definitely looked at that. I, you know what? Sure I, that right. I was looking at the standings. I was looking at the driver standings. Ah. All right, let me let me list that out now because we've got it. Because it, I will do it again. So, Valtteri was P6, Ocon was P7, Lando was P8, Alonso at P9, Sonoda at P10. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you scared me there for a second. I was like, yeah, I no, I was falling it. off, but oh no. Did I was he looking <laughs> at the wrong page. I accused you of looking at the wrong page where it was actually me looking at the wrong page. It's okay, man. Sometimes we just need some team orders to sort things out and we'll be all we'll be all square. Yeah, someone's got to speak in our ear. <laughs> but Valtteri, I think, continued to have a super, super impressive race, right? I mean, I think it's just kind of just being assumed. Like, oh yeah, of course. But you look at where Joe is, right? And he's nowhere near, obviously, in this race. Well, he had the DNF today. Exactly, exactly. So it's one of those things where Valtteri is doing a terrific job. And I think, if anything, this sort of season so far at Alpha has done more to bolster his sort of overall sort of thoughts and standings. Like people, I think his reputation has seen a huge uplift because people mm-hmm. are saying, like, oh, no, he's not just almost as good as Lewis. No, he's doing terrific and pulling a car, which doesn't seem like, I mean, it seems like it's decent, but he's consistently pulling these excellent performances and being the best of the rest. Super, super solid. Mind you, Alpha did have an upgrade package this uh, this week, so, you know, some of it was certainly car, but Valtteri has just been Yeah, but he's been faring well the whole season. He really has, and he, he had a good race today, and he's got hurt by strategy, yeah. which he was saying at the end. I think he did a two-stop, right? Everyone else did a three-stop. Yeah, and that yeah. seemed to hurt it, him a little bit. You know, fair enough. I mean, obviously, this was a very strategy-dependent race, especially in the beginning yep. part. It kind of calmed down toward the end. But it's one of those things where there are a lot of different ways you could have gone. And uh, three-stop is not always the thing you expect when you go for a race. Uh, when no. I'd say most races on the calendar are one-stops, and everyone's only see it too. So three is not super common. But fair enough. Valtteri did a terrific job. And again, P6 was great. He could have gotten, I think, P4, P5. It was a, totally a potential if he maybe had done that third stop. Hard to say, but regardless, he did a terrific job. Um, Also, shout out to Alpine. Alpine had a rough qualifying with Alonso Mm -hmm. on P17. He actually ended up starting from the back of the grid because he did take a power unit, a new fresh power unit, sort of as a tactical move. um, Yeah, makes sense, right? Yeah, yeah. He basically was going to need to take a penalty at some point this season, so he just decided to take it early because he was already starting near the back. And clearly worked out. He was able to pull in P9, Alcon P7. It's one of those things where Alpine, they're so hot and cold right now, right? Like, in some ways, they seem like they've got terrific race pace. And, you know, that you see that, obviously, Alcon and, and um, Alonso are actually mm-hmm. doing pretty solid. But on the other side, you see, like, you know, some of the pit stops that are weird. You see their qualifying paces off. Like, it's just very peaky. And that's not the consistency that they really need no. to be able to pull together some really, really solid points as a team. Which, kind of unfortunate. But yeah. they've been doing... They've been doing well, I think. It's just not as well as I think the potential of all things are working in sync. Yeah, I, I'll echo what you were saying about Alpine. A double points finish today is great from them. Uh, I feel like, again, we didn't really see much of Esteban in the race. So he, he just kind of, guess, just kept his head down. Same as Lando. Didn't Basically, all I was hearing about Lando is Lando's not well. We weren't really seeing him in the race. Yeah. He was just doing his thing. We did great. Um, yeah, he did, to be able to still get in the points, like, you know, Lando continues to have a decent season with struggles that McLaren seems to be going through from a, from a car perspective. But again, you know, you compare Lando in uh, P8 and Ricardo in P12. Yeah, and I want to talk a little bit about Ricardo later. Um, okay. Because it's not looking good uh, for... Schumacher, our, uh, didn't, no points again for Schumacher and no points for Magnussen in Haas. Um, you know... One day, Mick's going to get those points, wasn't this week. Magnussen could, n- could not really pull back uh, in the way that Lewis did after their uh, bump in the beginning of the race. 
It fares enough. It almost feels like that Haas was the opposite of Alpine, where Haas had yep. terrific qualifying and sort of poor race pace, whereas Alpine didn't have great qualifying but had good race pace. And especially here, traditionally, the Spanish Grand Prix has really been about that qualifying, right, more than mm-hmm. anything else. But this time around, it was much more so about your race pace and your strategy decisions. And it just seems like the Haas just wasn't quite the race car that it, maybe they could have taken a point or two if uh, Magnussen didn't have his uh, run-in with Lewis, but was not their day for sure. This episode of The Back Markers is brought to you by Mint Mobile. Families come in all shapes and sizes, and the variety isn't always reflected in big wireless companies' family plans. That is why Mint Mobile has decided to shake up the wireless industry with their brand new modern family plan. Each line starts at just 15 bucks a month, and you only need two to get started. No matter how big or small your family is, you deserve to save on your wireless service. For people who don't like getting their phone bill, Mint Mobile offers their premium wireless service for just 15 bucks a month, and that makes it a lot more easy. <laughs> Mint Mobile gives you the best rate whether you're buying for one or for an entire family, and at Mint, families start at two lines. All plans come with unlimited talk and text, plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Plus, Mint Mobile's modern family plan lets you mix and match data plans so everyone gets the amount of data that's right for them. That is the part that I think is the coolest about this. Like I love that you can have it at two lines, you can, and then you can grow over time. But the fact that you're able to save so much money, get a consistent price, but also then split the data across the people in the family, I think that's a super cool feature. You can use your own phone of any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. So switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, including the Modern Family plan, go to mintmobile.com slash backmarkers. That's M-I-N-T-M-O-B-I-L-E dot com slash backmarkers. Go there right now and cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash backmarkers. Our thanks to Mint Mobile for their support of this show and Relay FM. I was imagine the doo-doo. <laughs> you know what I was just I was just thinking like this is bad for business, but like I I could try and read the ads like fast. Yeah. Like it's a pit stop, right? Yo! So, we should like do some ad breaks to do pit stops. My they, well, genius. That, that popped into my head. You could time me. <laughs> That's how we're going to do this now. You're going to time me. All right. All right. We got the... Hello and welcome to the pit stop. Ready and go. Hello, this episode is uh, sponsored by... That's See, good. Go. I like that. We're I'm improving. writing that down in our master document here. Really it's not going to be called the pit stop. So we you- could also use it like if we could have... Oh, it's the different strategies. This is a one <laughs> pit stop strategy race. Uh, oh, today. you know what, Mike? I'm feeling a, a four stop coming on, one maybe stop. a five stop. You never know. <laughs> Twelve stop. <laughs> oh, All right. Man. Who is your favorite back marker of the race today? Okay, so I'm going to say this. And I'm going to say this with a little asterisk because... I don't think there were any truly outstanding backmarkers. Um, that being said, I'm going to give the point for me to Seb Vettel. I think that with all the controversy around the green Red Bull, and I mean, mind you, it is a, I would say, fairly aggressive copy of, of the Red Bull package. Um, they were absolutely nowhere during qualifying. They didn't even have that great of a, a race car, honestly. I think Seb had a pretty long first stint, made it up to like P5 or P6 uh, before the first round of stops. He was able to pull a lot out of that car. Honestly, it seems like he was able to pull pretty much the max. And the fact that he almost scored a point coming in at P11, just a little bit behind Yuki, I think is admirable. That being said, compared to most of our backmarkers of the race, this is like if backmarker of the race is the award, this is backmarker of the race. Because I I just, it was not, it was fine. Seb did a decent job. He certainly outperformed Stroll pretty comprehensively throughout the weekend. But I, to me, there was not a super strong backmarker. I feel like a lot of the teams that were in the sort of back half of the yep. field didn't really make much of an impression. But how about you? Who's your backmarker yeah. of the race? Yeah, there, there wasn't a lot of action going on. And what I will say is I think this is one of those things where we're subject to whatever we're shown. Um, it's like we said, like I didn't really feel like I knew what Esteban was doing or Lando, but they were in the top eight finishing, right? Mm-hmm. But I think that was purely because in the top five, it was just 
unstoppable action for this yeah. for the majority of this race. So I actually feel like compared to a regular race, we saw way less of the mid to backfield than we would normally. Mm-hmm. But of the parts that we did see, for me, it's Fernando Alonso. Yeah. Uh, Fernando was doing some great moves today. There was that one when he's they're coming down the the pit straight, and he overtook on the inside and basically nearly ran off the track. Yeah, uh, I just love that. Plus, you know, it was a home race for him, so I feel like he was giving it some extra beans and ended up in the points. So uh, for me, it's it's Alonso. We saw some good moves from him today. I've, I am becoming a quiet Fernando Alonso fan. I've really started to warm to him this season. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know it started last season for sure. You know, like with the what seemed like great camaraderie and 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 um, I can't think of the phrase like teammateship. No, teammateship. Right. Yeah, yeah, no, that's it. That's teammateship. That's it. I thank you. That's the word. Teammateship between uh, him and Ocon. You know, leading to Ocon winning a race, mm-hmm. right? Like all of that kind of stuff and the work they were doing for each other. Um, it's it it's made me warm to Alonso quite a lot, and so I was re- I thought he did a great great job today. Yeah, yeah. No, I actually agree. I think coming from the back, uh, he did a yes. very, very solid job. Some solid overtakes. He did a really, really good job. But Yeah, man, you know what? Actually, I will say, because I gave so much credit to Lewis, I forgot that Alonso started at the very back today. To be able to go from right at the end all the way up to P9 definitely deserves some, some like, to be noted. He, he did a great job today. Yeah, and you know, actually, kind of speaking about that, it kind of just really makes me sort of think about, like, we saw, like, it was such a different race. There were no real, like, DRS trains. There was no real kind of traffic. No. I mean, everyone seemed like they were kind of running their own races, uh, even up to, you know, I guess unless you're George and you're 11,000 cars wide. It was interesting that he was having problems with his car overheating, even in fresh, clear air. Um, but besides yeah, that, he everyone... Yeah, he was a bit like, what was like, going on when they were talking? Like, <laughs> how? <laughs> it's like, are we sure about this? Oh, okay, got it. Um, but yeah, no, I think for backmarkers, it was interesting. I'm curious, Mike, who was your underperformer of the race? The anti-backmarker, if you yep. will. Uh, Alex Album. <sighs> Oh, not Albano. No. He came in like basically lost. Yeah. He was, you know, he came in at 18th today only because two cars didn't finish. And it doesn't seem like there was anything bad happening it, it, to, for, for, for what I could see. And Latifi finished two places ahead of him. Yeah, and I mean, in a week where Latifi feels like he is under real threat of still keeping his drive. Because um, there's this, this is... rumor. Have you heard this rumor of the mid-season swap? Yeah, of DeVries. Apparently it's going to happen. I mean, yeah. like, this is one of those things where, like, I think the rumors that I've seen so far is somebody's going to do it. Like, yeah. it is, isn't known who, but I think a lot of people are pointing the finger at, at Williams. I don't think it would be a bad idea. I mean, we spoke about it enough. Uh, this is like a funny thing to me. Like, again, I am only observing this. Mm-hmm. I don't know this to be the case, but I feel like this happened towards the end of last season with Latifi too, when it was like, oh, they're going to keep him. And then he started performing. It seems like Latifi needs some bonus encouragement yeah. to to perform. Um and I understand why someone would, right? Like it was the same with Sergio. As soon as Sergio was was not going to get a seat last year, he started pulling in his best performances. You understand that. You are racing for your career at that point. So you have that additional push. But I think the problem with the TV is if that's not happening, he's just not doing anything. <laughs> it seems yeah. like, we're, you know? Well, it's and, like one of those so things where hard. last year in the last couple of seasons, he's been benchmarked against George Russell, who is very clearly an incredibly talented mm-hmm. individual, right? Mm-hmm. And it's one thing if you get comprehensively overhauled by, you know, uh, one of the very, very best drivers in the entire world. Makes sense. Um, but Albon, and no shade to him, I think he's still a very good driver. I think most people would agree is probably not quite on that level. And yet, well, up Albon until has point, already had that experience, like, has had right. the, the, the ability to prove and couldn't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the fact that Latifi up until this point has pretty comprehensively been overhauled by his new teammate as well has not i think i think that's really kind of dropped his stock i think most people didn't have a lot of faith in latifi and then now up until this point it's been basically nothing so i think williams are very right to start looking around for other options that being said i don't know if something was wrong with alex's car williams did not seem like they were super racy this video uh, this race however latifi 
easily outperformed Albon by, I think, yeah. quite a while. I know just the official timing just says they're both two laps down. But I think at one point he was like 20 or 30 seconds ahead. He was way, way ahead of Albon. Yeah. But also yeah. picked off one of the Hasses as well. So I don't know what's going on. I don't know if maybe he uh, unloaded his pockets with some cash and saved some weight and was faster. I don't know. But it was nice to see him doing well. And this is probably one of his better races, even though he was only... <laughs> P sixteen, which is maybe not the most impressive yeah. thing, but it's, yeah. it's his best. It's his best outing this year. I, I couldn't help but laugh when you nearly called this a video. That was a funny thing. The race you nearly called it a video, man. You're just living your life over there. You know, everything's a video to us in Evans. It, you know what? The, my life is just a series of videos that happen to be played <laughs> out in real life. In real time. Uh, I have no memories. They're just videos. I just have a lot of videos in my head. So for my underperformer of the race, it's got to be Daniel Ricardo. Man. Oh, okay. I don't. Okay. I say this with all sincerity. I love Daniel Ricardo. I think he is a great dude. I think he has had some incredible wins, some incredible moments. I really do doubt at this very moment if he will have a seat for next year it, mm-hmm. it, it like ever since he left red bull right he had some flashes of his sort of former self at at uh renault i guess uh before he switched over to mclaren but yep. besides his win last year which to be fair was impressive but that was a very much uh, a mclaren friendly race they really had the pace there um Danny Rick has just been not only just really been sort of shown the door by by Lando, but also just he's not impressing. And I think it's it's tough because you think about a guy like Danny Rick and you think I mean, about all of his experience, about how you know he's a race winner and all these kind of things. And to see him just barely scraping by for P13s yep. and P14s yep. and stuff you know that a team like McLaren are seriously considering their options of like, is Daniel Ricardo pulling us down? And I think the answer is kind of yes right now. And it, it sucks, right? It sucks because I, I think he's a great dude, but ultimately this is a cutthroat sport. You have to perform to keep your seat. Just like Latifi is having to fight for his life right now. I think McLaren are almost certainly having conversations about what their other options are, I don't think it would be so far as to drop Danny Rick halfway through the season. I think that would be really, really aggressive. I feel like that that's too much. But for next year, um, I think he's got a little time to prove them wrong and to, to sort of really own that seat. But I think if he continues to perform the way he has, uh, I don't feel good about our uh, favorite Australian buddy hanging out in F1 for too much longer, which is... Yep. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, some... He would, mm, I'm wondering who, I'm, I'm like trying to think who, who would give him a seat. I'm trying to think that through. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, right. Cause I'm like, oh, he's good enough to get a seat. Sure. But this is going back to our problem of like, but there are a lot of young kids. Yes. Ready and, to go. And I think if you are a Williams or uh, an alpha or whatever, and you're looking for someone are you going to look at Danny Rick, who, yes, was a top team and then moved to a mid-tier and then another mid-tier and didn't really super impress? Or do you want to look at you know some young kid who's coming up who's ready for a shot, right? And I, I think that's got to be an easy decision that you want to bet on the future. Yeah. So it's one of those things where you know uh, you look at other people like Valtteri Bottas, you look at other people like Sergio Perez. They were able to sidestep their way into another seat, but they've both done a good job of earning those seats. Uh, Dan and Rick also, has had there's a, a difference. Yes. Like I think Valtteri, Valtteri was not going out on a low, and I feel like for Alpha, they're like, all right, we have a like a veteran now basically mm-hmm. a ton of experience who's going to come in here he's going to do good for us and hopefully help train up our next stop like step yeah. you know yeah. same for alonso right you bring alonso in tons of experience still good behind the wheel could help out with esteban right like even though th- again esteban and alonso have an even bigger points uh, gap in the constructors right now than lando and ricardo does but yeah. that's a question for another time. I, yeah. But there are differences. There are differences, and I think I think Alonso has had some DNFs too. So like whatever. Alonso's had much happen. worse luck. Yeah, yeah. I would say a lot but, more but the, of Danny Rick's problems have been more self-inflicted. I agree with you. That outside of Williams, I think the biggest 
visible issue now, which can't be easily explained, is at McLaren. Because at mm-hmm. Haas, Mick Schumacher is still a rookie and Magnussen can hold the the, the car, right? Yeah. Daniel Ricciardo shouldn't be on paper performing worse than Lando. He just yeah. shouldn't. There's no excuse, and, and, right? He's no, got and the I've said this about yeah. Yeah. I've said this about Ricardo for, for a couple of years now. Like he seems like a nice dude. But there is always this thing of like he's just gonna get a control of the car. He's just but, gonna get used to the car. And like he you this can't be a thing that has to keep happening because there are other drivers where this is just not an issue for them. Yeah. So yeah, you can't have excuses for going on four Forever. years of, oh, mm-hmm. I'm getting used to that or whatever. And so it sucks. And I personally would love to see Danny Rick continue. And I hope that he does. I hope he's able to pull it out. But yeah, it's, it's, it's rough. I think they, I think they have locked him in for, or at least Ooh. for 20, until 2023. I it's a good question. I know that his contract is through this year. I actually don't know. I think it might have been a two year deal they signed him on. So he might right. be out of contract at the end of this year. Don't quote me on that, but that's what I believe is the case. So apparently Ricardo's contract is until the end of twenty twenty three with an option to extend. Is oh, what is Google it? Google is telling me. Oh, is what Google is telling me. Interesting. Okay. I think that was uh that this was being reported on in February. But okay. none of this matters because they can just get rid of anyone they want at any time. Contracts mean nothing ultimately, <laughs> yeah. right? Because they all have the clauses. You know, they yeah. have clauses. This yeah. this isn't an ironclad thing. If they want to get rid of him, they'll get rid of him, right? Yeah. Like if you have less, that's than just how it goes. Seventy percent of the points of your teammate, then we're going to get rid of you, or whatever that actual thing. Looks I mean, it's like. just yeah. like we'll pay you a bunch of money and say goodbye, right? Like true, very true. If McLaren think that this is worthy enough for them, then they'll yeah. then they'll do it. Yeah, yeah. Whew, what man, was your was... favorite thing from today's race? Yeah, thanks, man. I feel like we got to bring the level up here. I'm getting all sad yeah. and like, oh, no, Danny Rick. Uh, favorite thing from the race was George H. Russell. I don't know if that's his middle name, but George H. Russell sounds like uh, an appropriately posh name. Uh, dude, uh, he was 74,000 cars wide, and I think it's incredibly entertaining to see not only just the fact that you know he did a great job of defending, but he did a great job w. of attacking at the beginning. He, his, his middle name is William. It's George W. Russell. And he was his middle name was William, and he raced at Williams, and I don't know this. What a know, missed opportunity. I, yeah, I feel like I should have known about this before <laughs> now as well. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, look, he did a terrific job today, right? Yeah. I think he yeah. did a great job of utilizing his sort of jump start, or not jump start, but he, he, his very, very solid start. Pick off some positions at the beginning. He was legitimately leading the race at that one point. He held up Max forever, it felt like. He did a great job. And honestly, you consider that he was also battling cooling issues while he is working on defending, placing the car incredibly precisely. Mm -hmm. I don't think George put a foot wrong the entire race. Um, So, yeah, absolutely top-notch start of the race as far as i'm concerned and uh, second podium of yeah. the season yeah yeah and well and deserved very well deserved. i need him to win the race next week dude the otherwise he- <laughs> my prediction i was on the edge of my seat i'm like oh my god he's gonna do it <laughs> man uh, when he was in the lead when charles fell off i was like oh my god is, oh, george is leading i was like mike is jumping up and i was out of the seat. Out. I knew it. I had a great time it. today, man. I had a great time today. I said, we, we, me and Austin used to, before we started this show, we used to text constantly during the races and we don't do it now because we like to keep our opinions for the show. But I couldn't help. I, I just, when that, the, uh, the overtake on Max, right, when he got the place back, I just text Austin George in all caps with like the iMessage effect where it's spinning around. Yep. I was freaking out. Like Hang it on. was Let me read some more of these texts. Okay. Yes. George, mm-hmm. next text, all caps, champion. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you were so amped, man. But look, I oh, feel I was, you. I I feel was you. texting everyone I know. Like anyone <laughs> that I know watches it was getting it was getting messages from me. That boy, oh my God. He is going to be a world champion and I cannot, I'm here for it. I can't wait for it. Dude, he did absolutely. Yeah, he had perfect. a great race today, man. Like, yeah. and I just say, like, you know, I know I don't stop talking about him, but it, it's just one of those things where, like, just what he has achieved is really rare to mm. just step in to a team and immediately perform. Yeah, like 
performing better than his teammate or at the level of his teammate, you know, like this doesn't happen. Like this, this is incredibly rare and I think shows his skill. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, he was he was absolutely rubbed in that Saudi Arabia race when he had to when he filled in for Lewis. Remember that, like from yeah. twenty it was uh, twenty twenty, right? Bahrain, I think. Bahrain, that was it. Yeah, like, oh, that was that was just one of the one of the most upsetting things I've ever seen. <laughs> like, I was just dying. <laughs> it was as bad, probably. It was worse than what happened to Lando, but st- what happened to Lando was terrible. When that oh. wet race. Oh yeah, yeah, Russia. Oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah, in Russia. Man, uh, yeah, no. Uh, I think what seems like a trend this year, um, yep. and it seems really clear to me, there's a real like tier system. There's a real, maybe maybe next episode we should do this. or Yeah, actually next episode would be a t- good time to do this. We should make a tier list of drivers because I feel like there are oh. a handful of S tier drivers. You know, you, uh-huh. you throw George up there, you throw, you know, obviously Lewis, Max, Charles. Uh, there's some people who are clearly head and shoulders. Not only the number ones of their team or just you know, a cut above. And then there's, I feel like everyone else who's like two, three tenths of a second slower across the board, no matter what. Like I, it feels like obviously in the sport of formula one, the cars are incredibly important. Right. But that being said, the difference between a very, very, very good driver and a absolute top tier driver, I think is a, a big one. Right. And it, you see it with the number ones, and number twos, you see how Charles consistently is incredibly fast and incredibly consistent and really kind of embarrassing Carlos in a lot of ways. You see how, while I think Checo is very solid, that he is not on the same level as Max. You see how Lando is really crushing Ricardo. You see how Valtteri, while he's maybe not an S tier driver is doing a terrific job of really pulling a lot out of that alpha. Don't I think- do the whole tier list now. If you want I, oh, to do the tail okay, later on, it. don't do it now. Okay, I'll keep the powder dry, man. I'll keep the powder dry. But I, I think it's just one of those things where this year is really showing who are the incredibly top-tier drivers right now and everyone mm. else who are just good. And I think that's one of those things where it's hard to say in previous seasons when you know Mercedes are you know, a mile down the road from everyone else and you know it's like, oh, my P6 or P8 today, who cares, whatever. But now that we're seeing so many different drivers at top teams who are having these opportunities to really kind of show what they're worth, um, you see the cream is absolutely rising to the yep. top. So. Yep. Driver tier list, I guess, huh? I mean, look at this. We're, we're live coming so, up with ideas for the show. I love this idea. Yeah. This feels like, for me, we do it on a quiet race. Yep. So I've put it into our document to do it next time because it will be the assumption. But if all hell breaks loose in Monaco, <laughs> we might save this. But I love this idea. This is a great idea. It feels like next time would be the time to do it because typically not a lot to say if yeah. you're a newer fan. Monaco is a street race. It's one of the most prestigious races. It's one of the like ones that has been around for the longest. People really care about it. Um, and all of Monaco just, you know, it, it's taken over by the race. It's a beautiful race. I love the way that Monaco looks. It's one of my favorites for that reason. I just like to see the cars driving around Monaco. It is a very narrow street race. There isn't really a lot of typically places for cars to overtake at Monaco. So it is known as the Grand Procession because ultimately, barring no accidents, barring no issues in pits, however you qualify is how you'll finish. So there is a strong possibility that without fireworks, next week's race will be pretty tame. If that's the case, we'll do the tier list. Tier list. I've already written it down in our document. It is fun. done. We are going to introduce mm-hmm. pit stops and tier lists. The show grows and evolves just like a green Red Bull. We're constantly evolving, mm-hmm. adapting, and stealing good ideas from other people. Maybe. I like. mean, maybe we've stolen it. We don't know, right? This, uh, the, the Podcasting Association has to come and check our show notes. To ah, see the if PIA, we the worst. I hate podcast it. Podcast Industry Association. What's what's our uh, penalty? Our penalty is uh, they don't. Uh, our our the show doesn't we, land on Spotify this week we have, or something. No, no, we have ten seconds of silence before the episode begins. <laughs> that's our that's our ten second penalty. You, know, you just sit there quietly. Uh, so we will be back next week uh, with the Monaco Grand Prix. Don't forget, we go live on YouTube uh, as soon as we can after the race is finished. 
to give our instant reactions to what happens in every Formula One Grand Prix race. You can find that at backmarkers.live. That's where you'll find both the live streams and the video version of the show. If you just listen on the audio version, thank you so much. We appreciate you. Uh, but don't forget, you can come and check out the video version of the show because we will go into the cool-down room now and we'll hang out with the people that come and join us live in the live chat, answer some questions, and just have a little hangout. Uh, but we'll be back next time for Monaco. You can find us on Twitter in the meantime. We are at Batmark at Backmarkers Live. I am at iMike. Austin is at Austin.Duncan. Again, we always want to know what you're thinking of the show, what you like, what you don't like, so feel free to send that in. Uh, unless what you're going to say is, I hate that Mike talks about Mercedes because I'm afraid nothing's going to change it, you know? <laughs> it is. This is the thing. I wish you would just pick a team and love that team. What? Mike, are I you wish, trying to tell Because then the, the pressure's taken away from me, right? Because I have chosen my team and love my team, right? This is you will not choose a team. So I would like it if you would just choose a team uh, and then you can talk about that team as sycophantically as I talk about Mercedes and then and then I feel like the pressure's let off me a little bit, you know? Mike, I am an unbiased journalistic mind who could mm. never be swayed by a personal mm. opinion. I have to tell mm. it fair and I can't make the Alex Albon fan club because that just gets weird. But uh, maybe, maybe. Right. I'll let you know my secret allegiance after the show. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Backmarkers. We'll be back next time. Say goodbye, Austin Evans. Goodbye, and until Monaco, when we meet again under the sunlight and the beautiful water view and mm -hmm. the very expensive There's real water people. in Monaco. There's, There's real, real water. water. Real boats, real water. <laughs> so if you didn't like it in Miami, you're going to get the real thing. 